the biggest issue, particularly with kids this young, is parents provide a ton of information. And I see this all the time. I see it on school accommodation plans. I see it on neuropsych evaluations. The child does better when they know exactly what's going to happen, right? And that's just saying, let's see how we can make this anxiety bigger and stronger and more powerful. Welcome to Flusterclux with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Flusterclux, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say. All right. So hi, everybody. We are back for another Fluster Clucks in session. We are so lucky to have these parents that share their stories with us. And today we have Katie, who is going to talk about her family and her situation. So Katie, fill us in a little bit about your family and what's going on. I have a six-year-old daughter named Olivia, and she has been dealing with some separation anxiety pretty much since her infancy. And we are currently in therapy, have been with a therapist for about a year. And really, we've seen improvements in terms of the routine separations, like leaving for school in the morning. But when we have separations that are not as routine, those separations can be pretty difficult. When we do like activities once a week, you know, whether it be gymnastics or ice skating, Those can be fairly difficult. And really, we're just looking for some strategies to increase her independence and her flexibility. We do see anxiety popping up in other ways. You know, I know you always say not to get stuck in the the content. Separation seems to be like the biggest challenge for her, but we certainly see it in terms of perfectionism, that flexibility piece, some social anxiety. Uh, with her peers. But really, that separation has been, I would say, the biggest area of challenge. Okay. And tell me what are some of the things that you've learned in your therapy, the some of the things that you guys have done that has really been helpful? Yeah, we have been doing a lot of empathizing and encouraging. So, you know, I know it's hard. I know that you're nervous. And I know that you can do this and that you are capable of this. We did externalize her worry. So her worry's name is Betty Worry. (laughs) And I feel like even just in the last six months, she's like developmentally at the age where she's like starting to get that now. So she call it Betty Worry. I feel like that's been helpful, but I'd love to dive in to like the dialogue that we use with Betty Worry with you to just kind of check some of those things out. I would say we also do with the therapist, like some exposure kind of therapy, right? Like bedtime was pretty stressful, falling asleep independently. So like slowly increasing her independence over time, like I'm going to be out of the room for five minutes and then I'm going to come and check back in on you. Then, you know, the next night I'm going to be out for seven minutes. It's been a slow process, but we've had some success with those sort of like slow intervals of separation. Okay. And in terms of, is she capable of falling asleep alone in her room or does somebody have to be in there with her? 
So it depends on who's putting her to bed. Uh-huh. So my husband has been great at following the structure and he is able to put her to he she's able to fall asleep independent of him. I did great for a little while. <laughs> and then I think it started when my husband got COVID. I'm going to blame it all on him. Okay. He got COVID. And, you know, I think I was just feeling this like maternal, like I'm going to keep her safe. So this was like in late October that I got in the habit again of laying with her. And it's been so hard to like crawl out of that habit. But I know that I can do it and I know that I should do it. So basically what we did initially, how we like got out of it was how I described before where like separating, you know, I'll be back in a couple minutes and you stay in bed. And she did okay with that. I mean, it wasn't smooth sailing, but she was able to do it. And I know that she's able to do it with my husband. So she should do it with me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And you should do it with her. Yeah. So what keeps you, do you think, what keeps you from being able to separate from her? Mm -hmm. Like at night? Yeah. I think it's like the pain of doing that. Like I know she's going to get out of bed and I'm going to have to put her back in the bed. Like it just seems like, oh my gosh, it's been a long day. Like I just want to like lay down and yes, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So I think it's not that I'm worried about you know, is she safe or is she sleeping well? Like, I'm not, I don't think that that's the root cause. I think it's really just the work involved and the discipline of get back in bed. And I'm a avoider of big feelings. Like I definitely have had like an aha moment over the past couple months that I tend to do things to avoid her big feelings. I think that's also factors in I just want her to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In terms of dropping her off at school or at activities, what have you done that's worked with that? How have you gotten that? Because you said there's been improvements in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at school, you know, she started kindergarten this year. So that was a big shift, obviously. But when she was in preschool with COVID, that actually really helped because you know, you weren't allowed to go into the classroom. You weren't allowed to like have this extended stay. My husband does the drop-offs in the mornings. And so I think COVID really pushed him to just like do the quick drop-off and that like really helped. So for kindergarten, you know, it's a little bit of a different setup, but the teacher comes out of the classroom door to greet the kids. So you're not going in. So I think that that's really helpful. And, you know, there was a transition period where she was definitely nervous each morning going into kindergarten. But at this point, probably by November, I would say a couple months, she's consistently able without any issue to be dropped off well um, at school. So for activities, it's a little different, you know, because we have done a couple of different activities In the fall, we did gymnastics with one of her friends, like a very good friend, and she had a really hard time going into the gym and staying in the gym. So beforehand, you know, we do the empathize and encourage and we talk about Betty Worry. I think 
I don't know if I would call it a mistake, but like something I'm realizing is that, you know, initially when we were going to gymnastics, we would talk about Betty Worry. We'd make it almost into like a funny game where I was like, we're going to kick Betty Worry in the butt and we're not going to let her bother us. Right. And I think I had this more like we're going to extinguish Betty Worry. Right. As opposed to, oh, you know, like you say in your podcast, like, oh. Welcome, Betty Worry. I was (laughs) expecting you. I knew you were going to show up. So, like, I have shifted that, but, like, very recently. Let me just say that's such a good example because, of course, we want to make it playful. But anything that you do, like you were finding, if you say to Olivia, we're going to get rid of Betty... And then Betty shows up. If the expectation is that there's going to be no Betty, then she's like, well, here's Betty. So that's a really great shift that you've done to say, okay, so we know Betty's going to show up. We know what Betty is going to say. We know what Betty does. We know the game that Betty plays. Have you seen a difference since you've made that shift? So like that's a very recent like aha moment. So we just started swim lessons. Just last week, so we've only done it once. And I was like, okay, like this is my opportunity to redo this. And so we're in the car. She's like, I'm scared. I'm nervous. And I was like, oh, that's Betty Worry. Like, of course, I was expecting Betty Worry. Good, good, good. And I was like, come on in, Betty Worry. Like, we knew you were going to show up here. And I said something like, you know, well, we're still going to do swim lessons. Even though Betty Worry is here and like Betty Worry sometimes like sits on my shoulder like a little parrot and she's just going to be there and that's okay. And I'm still going to and I related it to something new that was happening at my job. And I was like, I knew Betty Worry was going to show up and I still did what I had to do, even though she was there. So that was a new shift. And we went to swim lessons and she went in. You know, I went, walked in with her. We met the teacher and she did great. This is the thing though. I left and there's like a glass wall, right? Where you can see. So she could see me the whole time, which is different from gymnastics, right? You know, and so throughout the swim lessons, she would wave and I would wave. I don't know if I should try to busy myself doing something else while she's at swim lessons or if I should find a spot that isn't quite so visible you know, and what you think about that. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook. You can add events directly using the touchscreen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows 
all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded, so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up. So order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. You know, when you're listening to a song on the radio and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you, well, now imagine the power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique, it's personal, and it lasts forever. I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying, giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether you're song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care. Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com slash fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com slash Fluster. Don't forget to share your song with us too in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash fluster. Okay, we're back. You could ask her directly. You could say, you know, it seems that Betty Worry really wants to know where I am. Yes. It seems that that's one of the rules. So you could even talk to her about the rules that Betty makes. So you could say, so what do you think are some of the rules that Betty makes? Well, we know that Betty likes to know exactly what's going to happen. Yes. Because everybody's worry wants to know exactly what's going to happen, wants to know the details, wants to know the plans, hates unexpected things, hates new things. And it sounds like the rule that Betty also has is that Betty has to know where I am. Yes. 
And Betty doesn't do that with daddy. Nope. Just with mommy? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Betty's particularly possessive of mommy. Yeah. And daddy probably has a different approach to it. What if dad is going to take her to gymnastics or swim lessons? Is there a different response? So he works on the weekends. So there isn't a lot of opportunity for that. We could definitely make an effort and see if there's a difference. But in recent months, he hasn't done that. Okay. I'd imagine, I don't know, maybe a slight difference. And what if you were dropping her off at school? Would there be a difference in the way that she would respond? So... I have done that a couple of times and it was okay. There wasn't a significant difference. But the rule of Betty Worry knowing where I am is definitely so like with gymnastics, she'd be like, well, where are you going to be? She'd be constantly seeking this reassurance, like the whole drive there. Well, where are you going to be? Well, what are you going to be doing? And where are you going to be? You know, and so our therapist recommends like answering once and then like ignore Uh You know, say like, I'm not going to tell you the answer again. You know the answer and ignore. And, you know, but that does set up like a stressful entrance to gymnastics, right? She's already, you know, her back's already up. So that was that was a challenge. Have you been able to ignore? Yes. Yes. Okay. I definitely can ignore. And it's so helpful when I say to her, I have a hard time ignoring her without saying I'm going to ignore you. So I say like, I've already answered that question. I'm not going to answer it again. And then I can ignore her. And she does get upset. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. So one of the things you can talk to her about, which it sounds like you're doing, but if you wanted to change up the language a little bit, is that you could say, so there's a difference between information mm-hmm. and Betty needing reassurance. Okay. I'm going to give you the information. Mm-hmm. And Betty's going to want the reassurance. The information is we're going to go to gymnastics at such and such a time and I'm going to be here and I'll pick you up. That's good information because we need to have a plan. We need to know what the information is. If Betty asks again and again, that's called reassurance. Okay. And so help her know the difference between the two. And then you can say to her, I will offer you information, but I'm not going to give Betty reassurance. Okay. So then you're just giving her that language a little bit. Yeah, but that's exactly right, is you want to give the... Because we all need information, right? If your husband is going somewhere, he'll say, I'm going to go so-and-so and and I'll be back at five. That's just information. And how about when you're at home in terms of her needing to know where mommy is? How does that go? So that's has improved over time. Definitely a year ago, I would have to have like a GPS on me. Like she, she couldn't hear me. She'd be like, mom where are you? Or like on the couch, if she's sitting on the couch watching a show and I'm in the kitchen, if she sits at like the very end of the couch, she can see into the kitchen. So that would be like her spot. But I feel like the last year she has made a lot of progress in that. And she'll even go on to different floors. That was like a challenge initially. So she will like, oh, I'll be like, oh, go upstairs and get your socks. And she'll be able to do that now. That wasn't always the case, like taking out the trash. If I was taking out the trash, she'd be like, I'm coming with you. And she would like rush to get her shoes on. Now she's okay with me getting the trash, going out to get the trash. If it takes longer than she anticipates, you know, she will like panic run to the door and look out the door and be like, why are you taking so long? What are you doing? So I don't know what to say in those like reactionary situation, you know, where I need to react to her, where it's not like a preparation, where it's like, I don't know what you would suggest 
Yeah, you want, that's where you want to be vanilla ice cream. That's where you want to make sure that you don't get into what we call content-based reassurance. An example of content-based reassurance would be you take out the trash. It takes you longer than you thought. She's panicky at the door. You come back in and she says, where were you? Where were you? And you say, it's fine. You're safe. I was just taking out the trash. There's nothing for you to worry about, right? What you want to say is it looks like you and Betty are kind of having a little meeting here, right? Hi, Betty. You just want to not give it a lot of attention. And the thing that really happens a lot with separation anxiety that we really have to pay attention to is this whole idea of telling them all the time that they're safe, telling them all the time that you're going to be back, telling them all the time that you're not going anywhere. Because basically that reinforces the idea that the world is a dangerous place, that they have to know where you are all the time. That if they don't have a bead on you, if they can't tell where you are, then that's when things go crazy, right? So you really want to make sure that you stay away from that language. I see that a lot, actually. I hear a lot of therapists will say, somebody just sent me an email recently, actually, and they said that one of the things the therapist has told them to do is that when they go, say that Olivia went to gymnastics and it went fine. Then the person said, so after gymnastics, we're supposed to talk about, see, you went and you were safe. Every time you use that language, you are saying to her, the world is a dangerous place and my job is to make sure you are safe. So it keeps that pattern going that she is seeking reassurance, that she's seeking safety. So be careful with that language. That's helpful. Yeah. If she's freaking out about something, I want you to say something along the lines of, okay, so Betty has really fired up your amygdala. Has she learned about her prefrontal cortex and her amygdala and all that? Okay, so this would be a good time to go through that with her. And at, I do that with kindergartens all the time, right? So this is her thinking brain. And then she's got this little amygdala. You can draw a picture of her forehead and where her thinking brain is. And the little amygdala is back here. It's a little structure. Betty is in her thinking brain right? Betty hangs out, worry hangs out in your thinking brain, and it tells her stories. And it tells her stories about scary things that could happen because she's got such a good imagination, right? I've never met a worrier that doesn't have a good imagination. And her worry, Betty, is firing up this little amygdala. The amygdala doesn't even know what going out to the trash is. The amygdala doesn't know what kindergarten is. All the amygdala knows is danger, danger, danger. And so you want to talk to her about how worry sets off her amygdala and her poor amygdala thinks that you going to take out the trash or her going to swim lessons or her going to school is dangerous. And so we want to stay away from that safe versus danger talk because that just keeps that process going. So it says to her, I always have to be concerned about my safety. And that's what Betty is doing, saying you're never safe unless mommy is right near you. So we want to back away from that a little bit. Say she goes to gymnastics or swim lessons and she handles it. You say to her, you did a really good job handling Betty, which is very different than saying, see, I told you you would be safe. I told you it would go fine. And you can even ask her ahead of time. You can say, what do you think Betty's going to say? What do you think are the favorite things? And you can ask her this when she's not worried or when you're talking about going to something. What do you think Betty's going to say? And you did a great job of giving her an example from your life. Your Betty showed up and said, oh, you can't handle it, right? We want to stay out of the content, general thing. Oh, you can't handle it. Oh, this is so scary. Oh, no, you can't do this unless blah, blah, blah. And oh, hi, Betty. Nice to see you. Yeah, of course you're going to show up. Mm -hmm. And then making it a game. How aware is she 
of the fact that this is a thing called worry and anxiety? And does she talk about it? So she'll say, like, I'm nervous. You know, I don't think she'll be like, oh, Betty's here. But she'll be like, I'm nervous. I don't want to go. She had a play date, which also has been hard, you know, me leaving her at a play date. And so just this past week, she had a play date and I dropped her off and she didn't want to go. And I said, you know, you're going to go and you're going to have fun. And I think this is Betty Worry talking and not you. And then when I picked her up, she said, Betty Worry didn't even show up. Oh, great. I know. So I think she is starting to understand, but I would say like at the beginning stage. Okay. She definitely can understand this. Mm -hmm. Developmentally, she definitely can get this. What you might get pushback if you say, oh, that's not you. That's Betty. She might say like, it is me. It is me. So throw it in there that Betty is a part of her. Right. We pull it out. But that she and Betty, like Betty is inside of her. Betty is a part of her. It's just that not going to be the bossy part. You can say, you know, we all have an angry part or you, you can have a fun part. You can have a silly part. And Betty is your worry part. Because what she will inevitably say is, you keep saying it's Betty and it's me and you're not listening to me. Right. I'd be that inevitably. come. So just make sure she knows that you get it, that this is a part of her. But having her talk about it in a way where she is an observer of it, that she notices, just like you're saying, oh, it sounds like Betty Worry is showing up or getting stronger or being loud. That's a good way to use that language. She can definitely understand that for sure. When you're in the therapy, are you in the sessions with her? So it's just the parents. It's not, not her at all. I'm curious, you know, as to what, if you would recommend her joining. So it was started out like once a week and now we're just doing once a month. And yeah, it's just been parents. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I'm all for that. You know, if you feel like you're getting good coaching, the reason, and I say all the time, if I had to choose between the parents and the child, if you made me pick one, particularly for a a six-year-old, I'm going to choose the parents. Yeah. Right. So you're getting good coaching. I think it makes sense at this point just to continue the parents. We're not doing gymnastics currently, but when we were, there were a handful of times where she'd come running right out into the waiting room and like I'd have to physically return her back to the gym. What words, you know, she's obviously in that like fight or flight mode. She's stressed. Like, what do you recommend doing in those specific situations, diffuse or, I don't know, get her back in there. Yeah, get her back in there. Could you get her back in there? Or if once she came out, was it? No, I could get her back in there. And sometimes I would like wait a minute, like have her rejoin and be like, oh, look at so-and-so doing whatever. And here's your friend and look what she's doing. And, you know, re-engaging her through like narrating play narrating what people are doing. So I would say like, okay, now it's your turn to do a somersault. And after the somersault, I'm going to go back in the waiting room. Something like that would work. Okay. So that's all great. You want to do what I call the front loading so that she knows what the plan is. Because the thing that's really helpful is that if she also has the information about how this thing works and about what you're going to do when it shows up and what she's going to do when it shows up. So there's a lot of distraction can work sometimes, right? And you can see like, oh, look, if I can get her engaged in this and she can go off and do that. And that's fine. And with younger kids, you know, like toddlers, three, four, we use that a lot. Now that she's able to understand this and be able to talk about it, I think it's okay for you to say to her, 
say you're going to gymnastics. When we go to gymnastics, sometimes when you're in gymnastics or sometimes when we're in the house or sometimes when you go to a play date, when your worry shows up, when Betty shows up, it, Betty says, you have to know where mommy is. And so if I see you come running out to see where I am, I know that Betty is in control. And I know that Betty has fired off your little amygdala and your poor amygdala thinks that you're getting chased by a grizzly bear or, you know, whatever you want to say to her. So when Betty shows up and you come running out, I'm going to remind you that here's a time that we're going to do the opposite of what Betty wants. Because every time we do the opposite of what Betty wants, Betty knows that she's not so powerful. That part of you is not so powerful. So if you come running out, I'm going to say to you, Oh, hello. Right. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Betty. Betty, you were in there doing gymnastics. I saw you doing those somersaults. I saw you walking on the balance beam, having a good time. And then Betty shows up and Betty gets in the way of your fun. And you say to her, as your mom, I'm not going to let Betty be the boss of your fun. I'm not going to let Betty be the boss of school. I'm not going to let Betty be in boss of bedtime. And so you give her a little pre-talk. And then when she comes running out, you say, oh, Hi, Betty. Hi, Olivia. I'm going to walk you back in and let's give this another try because we're going to do the opposite of what Betty wants. Now, it would be surprising to me if she would say, oh, my gosh, mom, that is so helpful. Thank you <laughs> right. so much. Right. She's right. because she's not right. That's why we want to do the pre-talk. So it's almost like you do the pre-talk. The actual in the moment thing can be emotional and intense. And like you say, if she's fired up and in fight or flight and not a lot of learning happens in that moment. And then you do a little post-game analysis. So after the fact, you say, let's talk about what happened. So you were in with your gymnastics class and then oh, up popped a Betty thought, where's mommy? Oh, no, danger, danger, danger. And then you came running out and you want to make it very routine. You want to make it like this is what Betty does. It's so boring. It's so predictable. Hello, Betty. So that every time she's getting, even though the context might be different, it might be gymnastics or swimming or a play date, she is hearing from you over and over again that this is what Betty does. And that's why writing down the things that Betty says or the Betty rules would be really helpful. So you have the Betty rules. And then she talks about, well, how do we do the opposite of a Betty rule? And you can make it a bit of a game. So say in your house, you play a game where, so she's going to go off and be by herself in the house. Well, that is definitely breaking a Betty rule because Betty says, you have to know where mommy is. Betty says, you have to sit at this place on the couch. So you make it a game. I wonder how you can break a Betty rule. And then you involve dad and you say, oh, dad is really good at breaking Betty rules. Mm -hmm. And you could even ask her, you could say, how does dad break the Betty rules? Because you could even say, it's harder for me sometimes to break the Betty rules. Dad seems really good at it. And make it a game of how she's breaking the Betty rules. And you can make it a game with little rewards. And when I say little rewards, it, you know, you don't buy her a pony if she lets you take a shower. And those reward things that we do, sort of making it a game, they last about a week, two weeks tops before everybody just sort of gets bored with them. So make it just a little thing that you do every once in a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The more playful you make it, the better. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. 
This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance, so literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV, hydration multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good and Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass 
actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. Okay, so now back to the show. You know, I had mentioned in the email, like one extreme example was like I was dropping something off at my neighbor's house and we were in the car and she was going to stay in the car, which like is a source of anxiety for her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, which way are you going to go to the house? Are you going to walk around like the trunk of the car or are you going to walk around the front side of the car? And sometimes it gets so like, I'm just like, oh. And I just like slam yeah. the door and like yeah. walk over. Right. You're so ridiculous. Yeah. How yeah. can I like better those moments of when I'm like, oh my God. Well, on the inside, the response, oh my God, this is ridiculous, is a perfectly appropriate <laughs> reaction. Right. Because of course that is. Take a breath and just say, right, oh, Betty, you are so frustrating to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. And the other thing, too, is that you can have a conversation with Betty. So so after that, in, in terms of sort of the postgame analysis, you might say to her, oh, you know what? I could definitely see Betty was totally bossing you around because you were asking me which way I was going to walk around the car. And in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh. And so then you pull out Betty. So you pull her close and you pull out Betty and you and Olivia say, Betty, that is just a silly thing that you were asking me. And I am tired of you bossing around, Olivia. You are being so bossy. And she is asking so many questions. I know that you're the one that wants to ask those questions. And so you're holding her close and you're connecting her, right? So it's mom and dad and Olivia that are sort of giving Betty a little bit of a talking to. So like in the moment, would I say like, oh, Betty, like, would you even indulge that like request for information? No, I would not. So if every cell of your being is saying that is a ridiculous question, trust that. Okay. That is a ridiculous question, <laughs> right. right? Remember, it's all about certainty. And the place where the parents get caught, which you are not caught because you've been getting help with this and you understand, but the place where parents get caught is they think that the way out of this is just to provide the certainty. More information. More information, right? And you just get caught in that trap. If she says, oh, which way are you going to walk? You can say, Betty, I'm not playing your game. Yeah. Or, oh my gosh, Betty. And, and I've had parents say a lot of times, oh, good one, Betty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one, Betty. Mm-hmm. So that she begins to recognize mm-hmm. it. Totally. 
the biggest issue, particularly with kids this young, is parents provide a ton of information. And I see this all the time. I see it on school accommodation plans. I see it on neuropsych evaluations. I see it that the child does better when they know exactly what's going to happen, right? And that's just saying, let's see how we can make this anxiety bigger and stronger and more powerful. Right. So yeah. another interesting thing she said just the other day was, so her swim lessons are private swim lessons. So it's just her and the teacher. And so she said, oh, I'm excited to meet my new swim teacher. And I was like a little surprised that she said that. <laughs> and then she said, I like meeting new grownups more than I like meeting new kids because what if a kid wants to be my friend and I don't want to be their friend? So I thought that was like so interesting. And I haven't noticed a difference in terms of her like interaction or comfort level with a new adult versus a new child. I kind of just like lumped it all together. I don't want to get stuck in the content. Right. But I thought that was curious and thinking like, are adults like just more predictable in their like interactions with her versus a child? There's lots of different ways kids interact with one another. So, you know, I want to be careful. Like my inclination is to be like, oh, this is like so interesting. I'm going to be like a detective and like figure out uh -huh. like why she has more anxiety with kids than adults. And but I'm trying to not get stuck in the content. So like, does that matter? Should I should consider that or or think about? So here's the thing, right? This is why the content doesn't matter. And this is why when you think like, why? OK, so here's the answer to your why question. You're exactly correct. Is that anxiety wants certainty. Betty wants certainty. And six year olds are much more unpredictable and difficult to manage than an adult. In her mind, adults know the rules. They behave in a certain way, right? Her interaction with adults are fairly consistent. Totally. Right? So she's probably at this point, she's never had a teacher or a babysitter or a swim teacher that's sort of like run up and yelled in her face. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. Or said, no, I don't want to share, right? We follow the rules. We know the rules. So it's all about uncertainty. So her saying, I like meeting adults is her worry saying, this is predictable. Yeah. And children, unpredictable. So a lot of kids that have, you know, worry about this, a lot of things about kids make them worry because they're unpredictable, because what if they break the rules? So then they come up with all sorts of different scenarios about how the unpredictability of kids could be a problem. So it could be anything from somebody's going to get in trouble and misbehave, and then we're all going to get in trouble, or I'm going to get in trouble. It could be, I'm going to go to a birthday party and somebody's not going to share. I'm going to go to a birthday party and somebody is going to get upset and I don't want that to happen. So it's all about unpredictability. Yeah. I mean, that's such a wonderful example of how a little child is looking at the world and saying, what can I count on? What's predictable? And what makes me feel a little anxious because it's unpredictable? And the difference between adults and children for her, I mean, that's actually pretty nice. It means that she's had loving, caring, consistent adults in her life. Right, right, she right, hasn't right. had, and and then what's what's interesting too is then they run into adult who's not like that. Like they've got a bus driver who screams at them, and they freak out. Right, and then the parents freak out. And when she says that, I would say to her, Betty really likes to know mm -hmm. what's going to happen, doesn't she? 
just throw it out there. I think that grownups are a little more predictable than six-year-olds, don't you think? I mean, it grabs onto dogs, it grabs onto squirrels, it grabs onto bumblebees, it grabs onto weather. Whatever is unpredictable, that's what they grab onto. Yeah. So I might even make that observation with her. Grownups follow the rules, don't they? But kids, ooh, they are little monkeys running around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then she begins to understand it in that way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I see like when you were saying about bugs last night, she saw a ladybug and she was like, oh my gosh, there's a ladybug. And was like, <laughs> come over and like get it out of the house. And like I went over and the ladybug was gone and we could not find the ladybug. She was like, but where is it? Where's the ladybug? I don't know where it is. And like, I was like, I don't know where it is. I don't know. And I like made a joke and suggested some silly inappropriate places of where it could be. And she eventually moved on. But I did not like connect it to like Betty Worry. And oh, you there's that part of your brain that likes to know everything. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me. Remember the thing we used to say about ladybugs? Can you imagine if we said that now? Remember ladybug, ladybug, fly away home. Your house is on yes. fire. Your children will burn. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like what mm. was that? Yeah. Your house is on fire. Your children- yeah. The old days we were like, yeah, let's just tell kids that they burn in fires. That's a good thing. Yeah. Silly. You don't have to do it in an admonishing way. Just say, oh, we can't know, can't we? This is one of the things we can't know. She would benefit very much from you doing the little game that you guys can do at dinner or whatever, where you talk about what's the unexpected thing that happened to you today and how did you handle it? So that ladybug would be a good example. So you say a ladybug showed up and then it flew away and we didn't know where the ladybug was going to go. And we had to not know where the ladybug was. Right. So that language, you really want her to get sort of marinated in the idea that life is uncertain. Now she's sick. So if she says, mommy, are you going to come back and pick me up from gymnastics? You don't say, well, life is uncertain. Right. (laughs) Maybe I'll show up. Maybe I won't. You say, I gave you that's the information. So, of course, you give her the information and helping her differentiate between information and reassurance is going to be really, really helpful. One of the things that I do with kids a lot, say they're going to a new thing, like say she's going to go to the dentist for the first time, or she's going to go do this for the first time. You can talk a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit about whenever we start new things, there are things we know. So we know the dentist is named Dr. This. We know your appointment's at 11. And then there are a lot of things we don't know. And life is full of this combination. You could give her an example of in your job, there are things on the first day of school, there are things you know. And then there are a lot of things you don't know. And we're always living in a world where there are some things that we know and some things that we don't know. And of course, Betty wants it to be all things we know. And that's just impossible. But you're absolutely on the right track. You're probably moving slower than I would move. And that's just also something that I hear, you know, like that it's all about taking little tiny baby steps. I tend to move a little faster. Many therapists are much slower than I am. If you want to step the foot on the gas a little bit, go ahead. I mean, I think that's probably more for us than the friend for her, right? (laughs) Yeah. And what you describe, it's a good insight for you to have of being able to say, I have trouble with her big emotions, right? There's a name for that, parental experiential avoidance. It means that you have difficulty with your distress and her distress. And so you want to rearrange the world. That's a normal thing. Do you have a little anxiety yourself? Yeah, yeah. me and my husband, we both have anxiety. And so, you know, we're, we're not surprised that it's showing up. And my 
parents both have anxiety. Like it is, you know, in, in your book, you know, you talk about the cycle, like there's definitely a cycle. You know, I feel like we're making positive steps in the right direction. And I wish that I had this advice like when I was a kid. Did you have this kind of separation anxiety? Do you remember? Were you afraid to go places? No, I didn't. No, I mean, I was very shy and like social anxiety, but not necessarily like separation from my parents. My daughter's an only child. And, you know, I think the pandemic wasn't good for separation anxiety, right? We spent a lot of time together. You know, even the other day, like I went out to dinner with my friend, which I haven't done a lot of in the last two years. And she was like quite upset about that and um, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. Why do grownups get to do these things alone? And I want to go. And why is it just a grown up meeting? You know, like things like that. She'll say a lot. And what I would say to that is, do you know that grownups really enjoy spending time away from their children sometimes, right? Because if her idea, because she had the pandemic, is that mommies and daddies and kids or mommies and, you know, whatever configuration your family is, they are supposed to be together all the time. Children are supposed to be included in everything, right? You want to really give her the message that you have your own life, right? Which she didn't get to see that for two years, right? It's like your life was her life. So you want to say, and I would be really honest with her. And I would say, I really enjoy being with my friends and doing things because I am more than just your mommy. I love being your mommy, but I'm also a teacher. I'm also a friend. I'm also a this and that. So you really want to introduce her to the idea that you have your own life too, because she's been shown for all these these years that your primary responsibility is to make sure that you're with her. So we want to show her and you want to model for her that you are separate from her. Yeah, absolutely. Recently, you said something like, you know, you don't want your kid, your kid to be like, oh, my mom's my best friend. She's my best friend. Like, I'm totally on board with that. And I feel like she's made great friends in kindergarten. She has friends in preschool that, I mean, I do see her making connections with peers, which is great. And I think you're right. Like, I totally, she doesn't see me as, she sees me exclusively as mom. (laughs) Which, of course, that's the eyes that she views you with, right? She's a little tiny person and you're her mom. It might even be fun for you. You guys are doing a little drawing or something to draw all the different parts of you, like all the things, like the teacher part and the mommy part and that. Do you have siblings? Yeah. Okay, so the sister part, the wife part, and all the different things that you do. So she can begin to, when you say that you're going to go out to dinner with your friends, well, because mommy has a friend part. And that's an interesting thing. And it it will continue when you begin to recognize your parents as human beings, not just as parents. That's a big deal. And it happens throughout your growing up. But that's a good message to give her for sure. Absolutely. Definitely. Will she have a babysitter come to the house? So we did have a babysitter come over the summer and someone she was familiar with because she had done a camp over the summer, which was like, that was the camp was like a push for both me and her. Yeah. Yeah. Totally new environment, new people. But she really liked this one counselor. So we 
had her over a couple times to babysit. But really during this school year, it's been like family that babysits, you know, and people that she's like really comfortable with. Well, that's good. You're doing a good job because you're putting her in activities. You're widening her experiences because the thing you really want to pay attention to, which you are, is her social connections. We want her to have friends. We want her to be engaged. We want her to be able to go off and do the things that other kids are doing and to participate. So it sounds like you're really on top of that. Yeah. I mean, with the swim lessons, it is like a one-on-one. So she doesn't have that like class. I mean, for instance, the other day, she like really learned, she learned about Girl Scouts somehow and was like, will you sign me and Sarah up for Girl Scouts, like her and her friend? And I was like, well, I could sign you up for Girl Scouts. Like, I can't sign someone else up. So she does definitely connects with peers and she usually like really connects with like one person and that tends to be like her safety kind of person. Yeah. And, you know, initially in the school year, I mean, kindergarten, she like really was tight with this one person and slowly she's like expanded, which is great to see. And she has multiple friends, whereas like in preschool, she had like one friend. You know, I'd be like, oh, let's have a play date with so-and-so. So-and-so. No, I have my friends. Like, I don't need any more friends. <laughs> Glad to see her expanding her her social sphere. Good. And we'll continue to look for activities that, like, push that social envelope. Good. And one last thing. How are the teachers with her? Are they offering her reassurance? Are they getting sucked into bed? I think initially, you know, she would ask reassurance like how much longer in school is there or where you know especially at the beginning of the year where did my bestie go like when she was going to the bathroom she'd be like where did so-and-so go and you know when is she going to be back and (laughs) so I do think with the like how much time is left they would like point her to the schedule which is listed on the board and be like oh you can count how many things are left and that's there for you And with her friend, you know, they'd be like, oh, she went to the bathroom or she went to the nurse's office, like she'll be back. I think they did work to not get in the reassurance loop, but I think they did like provide, you know, that information. But I think her classroom is pretty structured and routine. I think that she feels pretty comfortable in that environment now. Mm -hmm. We'll see how next year goes, you know, the transition to a new classroom and new adults. I would expect to see those like reinsurances pop up. Well, and that's going to be something you're going to want to stay ahead of a little bit because you're going to have to train the teachers. You're going to have to give them a heads up and say that this is what we're working on. And so we have to be very careful that the goal is not to give her certainty all day long because that's what happens. And like I said, I will see that on plans. Child has difficulty with changes in the schedule. We need to make sure. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So you're going to just have to give them a little heads up. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. All right. You are on the right track. Don't be afraid to just sort of talk about it openly and to push it a little bit. And it's also totally normal for you to get frustrated with it and be like, oh, God. So that's when you have a word with Betty. You can be like, hey, Betty, knock it off. So you get to dump out some of your frustration and you're not dumping it on her. But you're doing a great job. Just as we said, stay away from the reassurance. Keep her stepping in. Don't worry about the why very much. The answer to the why is going to be 99% of the time. The answer to the why is because 
there's uncertainty. Yeah. Yep. In whatever way that might show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're good. She's clever. So she's going to try and figure out how she can work around this Betty thing and get the information that she needs. So you're going to have to be on your toes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's such a common thing for people to be dealing with with their little kids. So I'm sure that everything that we've talked about and what you shared is going to be helpful. So I very much appreciate it. Thank you, Lynn. If this episode was helpful to you, you can join our Facebook community and we'd love it if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn.